0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm gonna be in Matthew chapter six today for the message. It's the first book of the New Testament, Matthew chapter six. While you're getting there, I want to make a statement to see if you agree with it. So here's the statement. I'm not sure if you're going to agree, but the statement is this. Life can be complex. Who agrees? Yeah, so several of us. So here's some areas, as I was thinking about this, that seem to be more complex now than uh, previously. If you've been to the store recently, you've noticed that some things are more expensive. Gasoline's more expensive, right? Eggs, what's going on with eggs? Right, things are more expensive now. It can add some complexity. Uh, if you're in school, if I if I know this correctly, Bethel University, we have a group of Notre Dame students here in front of me. It's finals week, that adds a little complexity, right? That's a thing. Uh, jobs can be complex. Family. Have you watched the news? Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but it seems a little more complex actually interacted with a couple of folks over the last couple of weeks, and uh, one person that I met, they were describing how they were starting a new business, they were trying to figure out in the middle of this, their whole tax situation, speaking of complexity, who did their taxes, right, that's complex, but they were trying to figure out, okay, I'm starting a new business, taxes, uh, they were not married, but in a relationship, they were thinking about marriage, they had kids, as they were describing this, I was thinking like, man, if you could rate complexity on a scale from 1 to 10, this person is like a 12 and a half. Like, in, in deep down, I was thinking, you're one decision, one small decision away from spiraling into a big problem. I met another person this week. It was a, a, a woman, best I could tell, has never been married. She adopted two children when they were born. They were now 18 and 20. And uh, she was describing how she had just been diagnosed for the second time with cancer. That's complex. Like there's some things that we, we can do to ourselves to make our lives complex, but there's some things that we really don't have much of a grip on. And life just becomes really complex. Now, in my own life, I'm a person who actually likes complexity. I'm weird that way. I like hard situations and puzzles, but even now I'm asking myself in the season that I'm in, I wonder if I need to simplify some things, because life's hard. Don't we like simplicity? No one. How many of you, when life gets really hard, like the simple things of life? There's something about the simplicity of things that draws us in. It like casts vision. It, it excites us. It comforts us. Let me give you a couple of examples. 1863. It's the Civil War, arguably one of the most complex times in American history. And the president of that time, Abraham Lincoln, gets up to give a speech. It's the Gettysburg Address. It's 271 words. That's pretty simple. It lasts maybe five minutes. This sermon has already lasted more than that. Right? But in the simplicity of a 271-word message, it brought hope to a nation that had lost its moorings. That one simple message aligned people to hope. There's something about simplicity. In Scripture, we read about a guy named Paul in the New Testament. His life was hard at times. He was out advancing the gospel, and he was going from town to town. He got shipwrecked. He was beaten. He tried planting churches like his life arguably was complex. And he writes a church that he had visited earlier, the church in Corinth. And he says this at the beginning. It's fascinating to me. He says, For our boast is this, the testimony of our conscience That we behaved in the world with simplicity and godly sincerity. That was his boast. If you read the story of Paul, like he could have boasted about the things that he did, that he saw, that God used him to do. But no, his boast was this, that we behaved with simplicity. There's something about simplicity in a complex world that we need that we can benefit from. Scripture even tells us this. A couple of examples. In the book of Psalms, it says this. It says, the Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. He preserves it. I don't know about you, but that just comforts me. That's good news. Or, or what about the book of Proverbs? If you've ever read the book of Proverbs, it's like wisdom nuggets for chapters. It's great. But at the beginning of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, it tells why the book was written. Here's what it says, Proverbs 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. It's for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. And it goes on, he says, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence, that's showing care, for those who are simple. Essentially what it's saying is, if your life is complex and you love that and you've got it all figured out and you're swimming in that, the book of Proverbs is not for you. But if you want to simplify your life, if you want the Lord to take care of you, be simple. And the book of Proverbs will make all sorts of sense. I'm not sure about you, but when I, when I examine the world today, in my context, when I read those scriptures, I, I can benefit from more simplicity in my life. Here's, here's a question for all of us. Do I need more simplicity in life? How many of you need more of it or would like a little more? As I think about that question, I just want to remind us that the world is not going to get easier. A couple of thoughts about that. I, I remember when I was growing up, my grandfather, we were out in a field one time, and he was telling me about how life seemed to be simpler to him earlier, and that was that was a long time ago. That was 30, 40 years ago, right? And he was describing life was simpler, life 's going to be complex. Now I've advanced many years, and I realize life has just gotten more and more complex since then. The Bible tells us, right? All of a sudden, life is not going to just get magically easier. It talks about wars and rumors of wars and all these. So if you're banking that life's somehow going to get simple, it's not. We have to, in the complexity of life, figure out some way to be more simple. Which is why today, this is the habit that I've chosen to talk about in the series that we're in. We're in this series called Six Habits. We're trying to identify, Pastor Mark did this a a couple of months ago. He gathered a few people and he said, what what are some of the habits that if we could put them into our lives and live by them, life would be a little bit easier? Not only for, would it improve our spiritual lives, but the rest of our, what are some of the habits? And I I said simplicity. And I didn't say it because I'm an expert at it. I'm frankly not great at it, but what I wanted to do is go on a journey and learn about simplicity. And so today, I come to you as someone who's opening his heart a little bit and learning about simplicity in a complex world. I don't have it figured out, but I'm learning some things. And I'm learning some things from Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 6. I'll read it in a second. But Jesus is giving his first public sermon. People have come around him to listen to him. They have issues. It says in scripture that they didn't have everything figured out. They really didn't know who he was. They needed healing from diseases. Their life was a little messy. And they're they're sitting at his feet. And we're going to pick up in the middle of his sermon to learn about simplicity. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. I'm going to start. He says this in the sermon. He says, "I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. It's not life more than food and body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes?" But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This isn't your typical passage that you preach on simplicity, but this passage, these words, are teaching me how to live a more simple life. And before I jump into the two things that I see, I want to pray, because we need help. So Lord, we come to you today in a complex world and we just confess we can't do it on our own we need you and so i pray god that you would open our eyes our minds our hearts our ears to hear your words i pray that your words god would sink deeply into our soul to help us i pray that in jesus name amen amen two things i see About pursuing simplicity. Here's the first thing I see. You can write this down on your handout if you'd like. Pursuing simplicity means reducing the amount of worry. Reducing the amount of worry. Jesus is giving this sermon, and he gives a list of things that we should not worry about. Here's the list. He says, do not worry about your life. That one's kind of big what you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. It's a great list. He actually goes on later and he asks, why are you worrying about these things? Like he's, he's becoming really clear about do not worry. Why are you worrying? Even the pagans, the people who don't believe in me, that's what they do. Don't worry. Now, just to be clear, here's what worry means. Not like we need a definition, But it's to be apprehensive, have anxiety, be anxious, or to be unduly concerned. Now, I know you all are at church today, so this is none of you. None of you have this issue. You all are great, and it's fine. And so if you have friends that are apprehensive or anxiety or anxious or unduly concerned, send them this message. Now, the reality is I know we worry about a lot of things. So what do we worry about? Now, the the beauty of the Internet is you can search for an official list of things that we worry about. And so that's what I did. There's actually a WebMD list in April 22, top worries of the world. Do you want to see them? Here's what they are. Thank you. Here's some worries. And here's what I want you to do. If they make sense to you, I just want you to say amen. Okay? It's participation. So first one, stress at work or school. Yeah, stress at work. Like, that's a real thing. That causes worry. I remember in the marketplace, I had a lot of that. Like, I get that. Here's the next one. Stress in personal relationships, such as marriage. There's less amens, but I get you. right? It's sort of a trick, but I've been married for 25 years. My wife is amazing, but for a, we're supposed to be married forever. It's a covenant before God, and in that journey, not every day is prancing around in unicorns, right? It's, there's some difficulty in that and can create stress. Financial stress, anybody? <laughs> Somebody was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, next one. Stress from from global occurrences, political issues, and world events. What in the world is happening today? Next, there's two more. Stress from an emotional trauma. That's a big one. What about this one? Stress from a serious medical illness. Like all those things create stress in our lives. Some of you are more anxious now that they're actually on the screen (laughs) and you're looking at them. Now, as I I look at that list, I want you to recognize that in every one of those, those were likely the top concerns of the same people that were at Jesus' feet listening to him share about the Sermon on the Mount. If you ever thought that the Bible is not applicable as applicable today as it was then, you're mistaken because those same issues are the issues that people who are hurting and needed some relief came to Jesus to hear this. And what Jesus says is, don't worry. It's It's hard to wrap my brain around because even in scripture you see people who are worrying david old testament a guy after uh, god's own heart if you've ever read the psalms they're like psalms of worry he even writes this in psalm 139 he says search me god know my heart test me and know my anxious thoughts if you've read the new testament read the disciples the people closest to jesus they were worried Yet Jesus clarifies, Matthew six twenty-seven. can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? No. You cannot. It's a great question. And so Jesus, as he's sharing this, he, he gives this picture of, you know, you're, you're worrying about all these things, but look at the grass, look at the flowers, I take care of them. And then he shares this, Matthew six thirty. if I know how God clothes the flowers, what about, and then he ends. You of little faith. Worry is actually a faith issue. Worry puts our attention on the problems and the what-ifs. It gets our mind racing. Is it, it, let me give you a picture. It's as if, let's say I'm worried about something and it represented in this bottle. Worry, you've got your hands so tightly wound around it, you're so focused on it, that I wonder if God's up there going, Steve, if you just put that water bottle down, and let me take care of it, it would be fine. But I've got my faith so wrapped up in worry, I wonder if I'm blocking God from doing something big. You can write this down. Worry emphasizes faith and fear over faith in God. Worry emphasizes faith and fear over faith in God. Jesus is clarifying your worry is actually a faith issue. What we should be doing to the things that we're concerned about, that we're anxious about, is this. Three examples. Psalm 55. Maybe you've heard these verses. Cast your cares on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. That is a good verse. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything. Everybody say Anything. Do you know when you look up the original language about anything, it really means like anything. It's not complex. It's like, ev- but in every situation, my prayer and petition, present your request to God. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety of God because he cares for you. Now, just to be transparent, I've read those verses before, but I still have seasons of worry. I was recently uh, in a season not too long ago that, that I was more anxious than normal. We had a leader at the church out for a number of weeks. I was trying to figure out school of ministry and graduating that whole group well and doing that to the best of my ability. A bunch of stuff here at the church going on, and my oldest son is getting married. My youngest son, or my middle son's getting married. My youngest son came home a couple of weeks ago, and he, he started talking about college. I was like, whoa, tap the brakes. What's happening? And the picture I got in this... In, over this couple of weeks was like we're all we're all built to carry some stuff. I think of this as like a we're all we all have a dump truck and we carry stuff in our in the back of the dump truck, but there's sometimes that we try to carry more than we can and it slashes out onto other people. So I'm home and I'm describing to my wife all the things that are going on and splashing the cares of work. That's called complaining complaining, right? And my wife, God love her, she, she, uh, she said something like, what are, you, what are you doing? This is not you. What are you doing? And it was, it was a, a moment of clarity enough to know I, this whole worrying thing is not getting me anywhere. It's not helping. And so what I did is I just, I determined to, all right, God, I got to figure this out. Uh, you says, cast your cares. I'm going to write a prayer. And so uh, from that day, it's not every day, but many days, I will pray this prayer. I'm going to show it on the screen here in a minute. You can take a picture of it, but it'll be a little creepy because I'll be in the picture. Hang with me. But I wrote this prayer, and almost every day I pray this before I go home from work. And it's been really helpful to me. Here's the prayer. God, I trust you. So I leave everything that I'm not supposed to take home today with you. God, I trust that you will work when I am not. I trust that what I need to pick back up will be here when I get back in the morning. Free me to focus on what's most important in the moment. People are taking pictures. (laughs) That simple prayer has helped me. And it helps me because, really, if I'm honest, it's that first, God, I trust you. I'm going to put my faith in. what I'm not going to take everything home. I'm going to empty my dump truck. And everything that I need to pick back up, God, I trust that you'll be working in the middle of the night when I'm sleeping. And if I'm supposed to work on it, I'll be there. It's so helpful. Simplicity comes when we let our worries go enough and allow God to finally grab those things and do something with it. I wonder if we did that more often, whether we would see God move in our lives. I'm going to say that one more time. I wonder, I dream about, if we stopped worrying and actually invited God to do his work, whether we would be absolutely amazed at what he does in our lives because we simply put it in God's hands. So here's a question. Am I putting faith in God to handle situations I can't? It's a good question. I'm asking myself that question. So, pursuing simplicity means reducing the amount of worry. The other thing that I see Jesus sharing in the Sermon on the Mount regarding simplicity is this pursuing simplicity is seeking the right priorities. Seeking the right priorities. Jesus clarifies, he he goes into deep detail don't worry about these things, and then he shares this. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first, many of you have read that or heard that before, seek first. When I think about that, I think, boy, what Jesus is asking is to put seeking his stuff, seeking God at the top of our priority list. And so here's a question I'm asking, what is my top priority? I want you to think about that in your own life, Right now, what is your top priority? Some of you are thinking, like, right right now, Pastor Steve, because, like, in 20 minutes, it's going to be different. Right? It's the weekend, so I got some priorities on the weekend. But on Monday, when I go back to work, I've got some other priorities. Or when I woke up this morning, I had one. I, I think we are living at a time where our top priority is constantly changing and the outside world is trying to convince us to replace our top priority constantly. Let me, let me give you some examples. You may not agree with me, but here's some examples. Global things. Did you know that you could turn on the news any time of the day, any of the news channels, and they are trying to tell you what the breaking news is? Ten years ago, you know what breaking news was? Actual news. It was important. But now you turn on any of the news channels and something, I guarantee it, I looked last night before service just to prove, there's something breaking. They're trying to get you to make that your top priority and top concern. That's how they lock you in and get you to watch. I don't know if you have uh, younger people in your life, maybe kids or grandkids, but uh the competition for priorities for kids right now is almost insanity. As I listen to families try to describe travel sports, band, college prep, all those things, it's almost It's almost insanity. My youngest son was in a competition robotics league a couple years ago, and he was going to uh, practices. This is not competition. Practices three times a week, and then on the weekend traveling for a It's insanity what we're asking our kids to actually do during the week, and we're training them regularly to replace their top priority with something different. Much of my working life in the marketplace, my top priority was my job. That was my altar. That was my God. Jesus clarifies, however, that the top priority in every context of our life should be to seek him. At work, with friends, on the weekend. This is not just a come-to-church message. This is like every time you do something, your top priority should be seeking God. Which if I'm transparent, sometimes I've thought of this as just one more thing. Oh, I've got to squeeze my Bible time in because I've got a busy day. I'm trying to squeeze the God priorities below the other priorities. It doesn't work that way. I wonder if we need to slow down. I wonder if you need to slow down. Do you know you have permission to say no? We love to read about the stories in Scripture that Jesus left the 99 to go chase the one. We love the stories about the, the prodigal son. right? Those are great stories. But I wonder if, if we put God first, we would see more simplicity in our lives. We're running around like a clown at a three-ring circus, juggling the priorities of life. And God could go and interject and do what he pleased. But if I read scripture, what I see most in people's lives that seek God first is God showing up in amazing ways regularly. I think I need to slow down. Here's the benefit when we do this. Matthew 11:28, Jesus shares this. He says, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens." I have to I'm not even going to read the rest of this right now. I have to believe that 75 percent of the people in the room are listening. You're carrying stuff you were never meant or designed to carry. And Jesus says, "Slow down and come to me." And here's what He will do: I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, Jesus says, because I'm humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest. But we have to slow down to get there. We have to to make seeking him the number one priority in our lives. We have to stop trying to figure out life all on our own. Why do we do that? Isaiah 55 says it this way, the Lord's saying, he says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts more than your thoughts. Why do we try to figure out life on our own and put ourselves as a top priority when the creator of the universe wants to step in and help? There is no problem big enough that he can't solve for you. Jesus, we read this earlier, says this, seek first his kingdom. Here's the benefit. We seek first, and then all these things will be given to you as well. If we seek him first, he's going to provide what we need. It may not be the thing that we're hoping for, but it's going to be exactly what we need when we seek him first. I want to go back to the story I started with about the woman who was diagnosed with cancer. So I met this woman uh, early this week and uh, got to know her a little bit. She described that, uh, I don't think she's ever been married. She adopted two children at the same time. One was uh, the day that one child was born. The other, uh, the child was six months old. And uh, one of them's now 18, the other one's 20. Five years ago, she described that she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And her prayer, and when she said this, I was like, oh, you might be a Christian. She said, my prayer was, Lord, will you give me five years so I can see my kids graduate? What a great prayer. And then she went on to describe the kids who were not perfect, but how, how she was so proud of them. And she got to see those five years, and, and it was great, and she was celebrating, and then she went on to describe how she had just been diagnosed with cancer in another part of her body. And at that moment, I, I had this pit in my stomach. I was like, oh, because I was thinking about this message. I was like, oh, this is, that, that is complex. It's not fair. But before I could say anything, within seconds, she described what God had been doing in her life. And then she, in a sort of a weird way, she popped out of her chair when the door of this clinic opened. She ran over and she was helping. She's not even an employee, right? She's helping new people in to get introduced to the other staff. I was like, who is this person? What is she doing? She comes back and we talk a little bit more and she's like, well, I'm gonna go back for treatment today. And when I go back, I'm gonna be able to sit with four or five other people and talk to them. And she's just lighting up the room with joy. And I wonder how many of us in that situation would have said, boy, she's got a simple mind. But you know what? She got it. She got the end of what Jesus was talking about. Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. And her priority is what she could do with God in the moment, in the day. She was living a simple life. She had joy and she had peace. It's the lesson that Jesus was talking about today. So I want you to think through this last question. You can write it on your handout. And I, really, uh, I want us to think about this question all week. Are my highest priorities giving me my greatest peace? Go back to your earlier, when I asked you what your top priority was. Are your top priorities giving you your greatest peace, because if it's not likely you have a priority that should be shifted out and you should seek God first and watch what he does. It'll be amazing. It'll introduce simplicity. Pursuing simplicity means reducing the amount of worry and seeking the right priorities. I'm going to invite you to stand and we're going to move into a time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.